Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We are in this, this study on James, and this, this week we're tackling James 3, 13 through 18. And let's start off, if you have your Bibles, or if you can just read it on the screen, it says this, James 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise to understand among you? But his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let, let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word, the holy word that directs and guides. God, I thank you that you speak to us directly through your word. God, I pray that you'd speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, as we've been looking at James, what James is, is hitting on here is this that there's a connection between what we say and what we do. There's this connection where we should be as Christians, we should be tethered to this word. That, that when I speak and I tell you that I'm a Christian, when I act, it should match. Unfortunately, too many times, there's this, we talked about, there's this large gap between what I say and what I do. But God has called us to tighten that gap. And James starts off in verse 13, and he kind of wants to ruffle some feathers, so it seems. Who is wise and understanding among you? But his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. James starts off with this provocative statement and question, and it immediately challenges our pride and says, who is wise and understanding among you? Which one of you really understands? Which one of you has this understanding? Now, most Christians, you know, in your mind go, I, I understand, I'm wise. And James is getting ready to unpack what that looks like. When we look at this scripture, he's saying, look, I, I, I've been talking about the be and do of Christianity, and, and you can't separate wisdom and doing. You can't separate the two, and he jumps right in. And James uses two different Greek words here in, in different meanings. He uses understanding and wisdom understanding and wisdom. Now, now the reality is that understanding focuses on the intellect or the, or the facts or the knowledge. Uh, uh, wisdom is applying that. It is this. Intellect is important, but James' primary point in this letter is what we do. What we do. James is hitting on wisdom, which is tied to our actions. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. I'll give you an example of this book, Good to Great, which is written probably 15, 12 years ago. Uh, fantastic book. Great for, great for life. And uh, when I first read it, 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 it has several different principles. It talks about 
you know, having the right people on the bus. What does that mean? Having the right people in your life uh, from a spiritual sense, having the right people in the right position so that they can accomplish what you're doing in work. That's what he talks about. Another principle he gives is, is uh, the, the groundhog principle, which is this. You know, everything in life, or, or the flywheel, sorry. The flywheel is, is like you're cranking it really, really hard. It's real hard to crank, but then when you start to get momentum, what happens is it just starts going. And I read all these principles. I'm like, these are great principles. But here's the thing. That's wisdom that he, he's, not wisdom that he's given. He's giving knowledge. It doesn't become wisdom until I actually take these principles and I apply them in life. Well, in my, in the, my other job, when I work in, in some business settings, I try to take these, these, these ideas and this, this knowledge that I've read from books like this and I try to apply it to what we're doing in the workspace. Otherwise, otherwise it's, it's a complete waste. And this is what James is saying. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. The wisdom of God is the application of this word. The wisdom, you want to be wise, you want to talk about wisdom, you've got to take this word and you've got to apply it to your life. Don't tell me that you love Jesus and you're out hitting the bars, getting hammered and that, doing whatever. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those of you who went out to the bar and got hammered and did whatever last night. But don't tell me, let me, let me reword it. Don't tell me you love Jesus and every weekend, three times a, a, a week, once a week, whatever it is, you're going out and get hammered in the bar. Look, we all make stupid mistakes. But it's not a mistake when you regularly practice something. Wisdom is taking these words and applying them, applying them in my life. What is James saying? What, what, what is wisdom in James's eyes? The application of biblical principles to real life situations. The application of biblical principles to real life situations. Well, I, I want to start with the ten. You know the ten commandments. Now, I, I say you know the ten commandments. But I, I, if I just, if we could just take that down and I go, okay, give me the Ten Commandments and in the order they, which they come. How many honestly, honestly, uh, no, no condiment, think that they could, they could rattle that off? Uh, maybe. I got a maybe in the front row. Where else? I, you know, oh, we got, a, we got a winner right here. So two of us. I think I can too. Uh, but he, here's, here's my thing. I would drive ki my kids to, to school. I don't know if you remember this, Jack. And on the way, I'd torture my poor kids. I would like bring candy and stuff. And I would, I would bribe them. I'd say, if you can tell me the Ten Commandments in the order in which they're, they're given, I'll throw you some candy. Even to this day, I, I'm still driving George. I'm not driving my other kids to school. Even this day, I drove George the other day. I'm like, I'll stop and get a donut if you can tell the Ten Commandments in an order. Why? Because I'm a religious freak? Don't, don't answer that. Josh is back there going, yeah, he, because I'm, I'm a pastor? No, 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 because the Bible says this. Wisdom is the application of this word. How do I know wisdom if I don't know 10 of the commandments that Jesus gave me? They go, oh, I know them. I just don't have them down and they're not in, in the order. Really? Okay. I'll give you that. Let's, let's look at these. Wisdom starts with knowledge. It starts with knowledge. And wisdom is completed with actions. God gives us this book of knowledge 
to complete the actions in our life, to do what God calls us to do. First, he says this, you shall have no other gods before me. What's he talking about? That God is the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, that he's the only one. Yet when we come into these surroundings and we look at, we talked about biblical worldview and we talked about 37, remember that, that series, and 37% of Christians truly live a biblical worldview. When I say that, if I was to say today that the answer yes or no, Jesus is the only way to heaven, there would be a remnant of people, hopefully not many, because if you've been coming here long enough, you know the truth, but there would be people that say, no, there's several roads to heaven. And very clearly, God's word says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, through Jesus alone, the only way to heaven. Therefore, I'm not willing to sell other ways to heaven. Yet we have a church, we have Christians that have this, this, this thought that, well, you know, kind of everybody goes. How foolish would it be as a preacher for me to say otherwise if it wasn't true. Or vice versa. How foolish would it be for me to say it and it is true? No, it's, I, I, I can't get away from it. I have to. At the expense of offending people. This is the way. The, the, God's word tells me what Jesus did. And then you, you can't argue with with encounters with God. I can't argue with the encounter that we had with Jesus yesterday when we baptized. You can't put words to it. You can't, you can't many times explain it. But, but God is the only God. Period. James says, what I believe and what I do. Yet many of us live as though there's many gods. The second one, you should make no idols. And sometimes you go, what's the difference between the two? second one is this, you should make no idols. The second commandment forbids worship of man-made things that represents false gods. Uh, Television, music, sex, alcohol, relationships, money. These are a few of the idols that we worship. And James clearly says... That, that, that be and do, that, that knowledge, the Bible says, this isn't good. This isn't what you want to do. This is the knowledge I give you, but you got to walk it out. And I, I've been uh, talking about some of the people I meet with. I've been meeting with um, uh, uh, another person, unnamed, who's not here, so everybody can stop sweating. Um, and we're, we were talking about sex before marriage. And they're like, God just wants to ruin my fun. God just doesn't want me to have fun. How can I not experience? How can I not go out and have this good time? I said, God doesn't want you to ruin your fun. What God wants to do is is protect you. He wants to keep your heart protected because here's what happens with sex outside of marriage. Look, the oneness of who we are, the oneness when my wife and I came together that was consummated through this act that God blessed us with called sex, the oneness that happens there is special. And if I take from someone else that I can't righteously fulfill, what happens is this. I can't give all that God has called me to give. Think about this. If it is true, oneness, when you are together with someone, you take a piece of them. What if you've been with 50 people? You get 50 pieces there. Now, let let me clarify. God is good and gracious. Chris had to repent a lot before we got married. (laughs) Me, on the other hand, I was pretty good. God's grace is good. 
God's grace is good. Therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. What I'm saying is this. God is protecting you. What's he protecting you from? From losing a part of your heart, part of your soul. What's he protecting you from? Maybe disease. I don't know who you're sleeping with, but maybe disease. Maybe pregnancy. Maybe pregnancy. You should not take the Lord's name in vain. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. The name of the Lord is holy, and when you use it in an expletive, you're, you're, you're not holding the value of who God is. It, it, James says, knowledge, knowledge, the knowledge is here. God is holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, Revelation 3 says. Holy, holy, holy is God. Holy is his name and everything about him. So uh, uh, the word says this, then how do I curse and use GD or the Lord's name? There's a holiness that, that oh, I love Jesus. I got a, I, I got a guy I play hockey with who, who goes she goes to church and, and, and constantly, you know, he's talked about Jesus, he even led worship. And I'm on the bench and he's like, GD, GD, GD. I'm like, oh God. I'm like, you can't, you can't do that. There's a holiness here. Now, he, he, you know, his return to me is, okay, so you don't say GD, but I heard you say FF. <laughs> is there a difference? Well, there is, but there isn't. It's sin. There's something about the name of Jesus that is holy that I hold. And James says there's an action that goes with it. If you believe and you have the, 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 the knowledge of who God is because it's revealed to you, then there's an action that I hold it holy in my hands. Keep the Sabbath holy. You know, everyone, not everyone, people never talk or rarely talk about this one. Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and, and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord of your God. Um, in it you shall do no work, you nor that your male servants and your female servants may rest as well as you. You know, I, I, I thought about that as a kid and it used to drive me nuts because my mom and dad, I don't know where they're at today. Did you check on there, all right? Um, every Sunday we'd go to church, we were not allowed to do anything. And it sounds kind of, you know, a little hardcore, but the, the good part of it, we weren't allowed to do any, any, any vacuuming or any cleaning. <laughs> I go play with my friends and stuff, but we, we, around the house, and, and even to this day, my mom and dad, when they leave church, they shut down phones. They don't want to talk to anybody. They just take this Sabbath. It, it's, it's something that's hard for me. I'm, I'm, I, I don't do well with it. I don't do well with it, but look, it's the Sabbath, you go, is it Sunday, is it Saturday? The Sabbath is a day. I, I'm not going to get caught in the religious act of, oh, you know, is it this or that? No, no, no. Do you take a day where you rest, where you, where you, 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 you think about who Jesus is, where you take a nap or where you don't do anything that requires all of that stuff that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday requires? It, it's a commandment. And, and, and James says, look, here's the wisdom. God rested on the seventh day. God rested. Here's the wisdom. If you continue in what you're doing, you're going to break down. 
The wisdom is this. If you say you're a Christian, let them see that day of rest. Let them encounter that day of rest. Honor your father and mother. Here's where it shifts. The first four are about your relationship with, with God. All about your relationship with God. The next six are about your relationship with others. And it starts here with the honor your father and mother. This is, is another interesting one. Because some of us, some of, uh, some, some of you, because I'm not in this category right now by the grace of God. Some of, some of you have had parental role models that are terrible. You've had parents that were complete idiots. You have parents that should never had, have had a baby. Now that, that's an interesting thought. See, here's where it shifts. I don't believe in mistakes. I believe God is sovereign. I believe that you're here with a purpose, regardless of how much of an idiot your family was or not. And the Bible says this, honor your father and mother. Now, what does that mean? I got to have dinner with them, you know, every week. I've got to, I've got to, you know, no, no, no. You know what it means? You give honor to the due that they brought you into this world, that God used them to bring you into this world. And, and for many, grew you as, as well as they knew how. Mistakes and all, as best as they knew how. But, but to act like a Christian, to have the knowledge that, 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 that James gives of the blessing that you have been given in life, and you tie it to honoring your father and mother, that does not mean that you have to have dinner with them every week. Look, there, there are some parents I would highly recommend you don't hang out with them. I, that sounds harsh. I, I think there's some therapists that I've talked to and, and wise people said, this is not a healthy relationship. That's not what this is talking about here. This is talking about your own heart being in the right place. It's talking about forgiveness to a parent or a, a, that has, has been less than stellar. It's talking about honor that you have life and you're here. That can be a tough one. You should not murder. I, I, I don't, I'm going to go on a limb and think, I don't think... We struggle with the actual act of murder here. But Matthew says this. You've heard that it's said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable for judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says you fool will be liable hell of fire. He literally says, if, 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 gosh, if you're angry with your brother... It says you hate your brother. And, 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 and James literally said, okay, if you're a believer in Christ, you can't walk in this unforgiveness. You can't walk in this anger. You can't walk in all this stuff. Jesus literally says, hey, I forgave you. What are you going to do? And, and it's that anger that you might have towards someone. God, James saying, check it out. You got to go before the Father. You got to give it back to Him. That unforgiveness, you got to give it back to Him. You got to put it at the, at the foot of the cross. That mistrust, that, that, that bitterness, whatever it is that's sitting in here that you have towards a brother, the Bible says that you come before Christ and you lay it at His feet and allow Him to heal you. How many times have I murdered? Oh, I've never shot anybody or stabbed anybody. But in my heart, James says, you have the knowledge of what I said. It'll free you up. Now do. Now do. You should not commit adultery. 
Genesis 2.18, we talked a little bit about this. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. There's this great mystery that happens. I talk about it when I do weddings and it's this great mystery that, that takes place when you get married and two become one and you can talk about it and you can, you can have marriage counseling about it. But the mystery, you, just, you don't understand until you're together is one. It, it, and and it's, it's the reason, again, to, to repeat what I said, for young people, the reason I, I, I talk about, and, and God talks about not sleeping with someone, because two become one, and, and we should be waiting for the one. We were having the conversation with the same guy that I told you I was having the, the other conversation with, and, and, and God's not trying to ruin your fun. See, in Genesis 3, and we talk about this, when, when Adam took the apple, or Eve took the apple, and Adam and Eve tasted of it, it says, remember what it says, their eyes were opened. What does that mean? They experienced something God never meant them for them to experience. Okay? Sex outside of marriage. Uh, pornography. Um, all these, these things, when you touch it, it opens a door and an experience that God never meant for you to touch. Not that he didn't want to take away your fun, but he knew this. If you touched it, you'd have this, this experience. And if you had this experience, a couple things. It's going to be real tough to get out of your head if we're talking about pornography. It's going to be real hard when you sleep with another person, a man or a woman, because you're taking a piece of them and you'll be bound to them. Why do you think there's so many psycho men and women in the world? Because there's a piece of them that they took from someone else that they can't righteously fulfill. That's just, James, you say you're a Christian? Why are you sleeping together? He, he, he said, wait, wait, wait. I love Jesus. Yeah, but I love her too. Okay, then Beyonce, put a ring on it. Make it happen. You can't use that reference? Why? I oh, you got to do that thing with it? Did you just call me really white? Is that what you just said? Short, fat, and white. no way to go through life. Um, <laughs> there's something that happens. And James clearly says, I, don't tell me you love Jesus and you got this disconnect over here. Should not steal. Eighth commandment protects personal property and teaches us to respect the property of others. More than that, it's a spiritual intent in contrast to ways of life, getting, verse, uh, get, getting versus giving. You know, I don't steal. I don't steal. I don't steal. A couple of weeks ago, I was going to register one of my cars. And they have this little place on there. And, and it says, how much did you pay for the car? State of California is, is stealing from me. Oh, don't clap. Don't indulge me. I literally, I left the place because I wanted to put a number. I didn't register the vehicle the, 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 sitting in my office because I was so... And then I'm... It, it's not just going into someone's house and taking their TV. See, integrity is, is what you do when no one's watching. 
I used to sit there and go, oh, I don't steal. I don't take pens from the office. I don't do all that stuff. You would have no idea. What I'm saying is I'm, uh, the depravity of man apart from Jesus is my depravity, no different than anybody else's. And, and I know I got to go register it. I know I got to put the right amount. Even though the state of California drives me nuts. It's not the point. It's not the point. Because I know I've got to stand up in front of you guys. And, and I got to go, okay, I believe this. James, gosh, she's giving me words of life. Hey, guys, I got to do what he says. And in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm you know, cutting... 7G off my car so I don't have to pay all the taxes? I, you know, you would have never have known, other than the fact the Bible says he'll bring it to light. <laughs> you shall not steal. You shall not lie. You know, I love this proverb. the six things that the Lord hates. In another translation, says detests. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A lying tongue, a false witness who speaks lies. Now, it, 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 lies, there's the blatant lie, you know, that, that I did not do that and you did it. And then there's the rounded corners. We, we like the rounded corners. You know, okay, integrity. Um, Supposed to go to, I'm making this one up, but this isn't me, so don't anybody take this as me. Seriously. Um, <laughs> I was invited to someone's house in the past, I, maybe. Um, but I don't want to offend anybody thinking that I did that to them recently. Invited to someone's house for dinner. And you know, you, you just get tired, you know, and you know it's coming. And you call them and go, you know what? I, I, I'm really excited to come to dinner, but you know what? Chris isn't feeling well tonight. So I need to stay home. See, you got to biblicize it, make it real, like holy. I need to stay home and take care of Chris. It wouldn't be fair for me to go over. And I just really need to take care of my wife. All the while, she has no clue. It sounds like I did this, doesn't it? I'm sorry. I'm, in, I'm making this stuff up as I go right now. I promise you. The car thing is real. This isn't. I promise. I just made that thing up. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we like to round the corners. Some of us just like to lie. It's just blatant lie. James goes, don't, don't tell me who you are in Christ. And then sit over here and speak out the side of your mouth. He says, you should not covet. You should not covet. Philippians 4.11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul. It literally says, I, I, I had nothing. I'm in jail. I am, I am destitute. I learned to be content. He said, I had everything. I learned to be content. It, it, being content is, 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 is this understanding that God meets all of my needs, that, that what I have is given to me by God, that, you know, um, now, having said that, I can squander things, you can squander things, but uh, being, you know, not coveting someone else's, but being content in what I have is critical in life, or you're always going to be comparing yourself to that guy, this girl, this thing, this car, that house. In Orange County, it's just so difficult. 
Because not only do people have nice things, they take their nice things and they put it right in your face. You know what I mean? Idiots. They make you feel like, a, they make you feel less than. Here, here's my rule of thumb. Even if I had money, you can't be 65 and drive a Ferrari. So what? You worked your whole life and bought a Ferrari. Now, if you're 25 and driving a Ferrari, you're pretty cool. There's some rules of thumb. Even if I have money, I, I couldn't buy a, a sweet, you know, 64 convertible vet because they go, you're just an old man who, who worked and finally bought something. <laughs> true? Not true. Gold chains? Can I go there and get a gold chain? Sorry. You know, you're, uh, I'm, I'm off topic. I, this one is, is so easy here to, to see and go, I want that, I want that. And, and James says, look, when you profess to be a Christian... You need to be happy for others. When I profess to be a Christian, I can't always be, what next thing? What, do I, what is there? It's being content. He, 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 James says that these 10 commandments that God has given you are completely useless. An absolute joke if you don't apply them. Don't tell me you love Jesus. And you don't apply them. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about, yeah. I'm talking about, I am going to work at applying this to my life. Each and every day. What does wisdom look like to James? A life well lived. A life spent with Jesus. Jesus doing good for others. That, that's what this is about. This, this whole thing that, that James is, 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 is speaking of in this book is, is all about living this life that you spend with Jesus so that you might do good for others. This whole book is about, come on church, don't just sit there and tell me who you are. Don't just come to church twice a month. Don't just tip God. Don't do I, all those things. I don't care about those things. Although God says be obedient in them. But he says if you're going to do those things, be who God has called you to be. Take a stand for what God has called you to. And you can't take a stand. You can't be who God has called you to be if this word isn't in you. I can't will it enough. I can't wish it enough. I can't want it enough. I have to be washed by the word. Romans 12. You want to know the will of God? We talked about last week and meeting with this, this guy who said, told his church, don't, don't read your Bible for a year. Come on. You, I need to know the will of God. And the Bible clearly says that I know the will of God by renewing my mind with the washing of the word. This is how I know Jesus. This is how I know not to lie. And I'm not talking about lie in the blatant sense. I'm talking about rounding the corners. This is how I know why God loves me and calls me to do what he calls me to do and what he calls me not to do. Church, if, if, if we could grab a hold of that, if we, could just, if we could just be who this word says we are, consistent, closing the gaps in our lives, we can make a big difference. We can make a big difference in this world. We could change this place. You could change your marriage. You could change your workplace. 
you could change your circumstances. And all James is saying is, I'm sick of looking at the church and she's empty. I, I don't want to be empty, nor do I want this church to walk as men and women who are empty. Just shells that say, I'm a Jesus. I don't, don't put, a, don't put a, a, you know, a, a fish on your car. I can care less about that. Don't, you know, don't put it on your card. You know, first of all, anybody who hands me a card that has a Christian fish on it, I go right down the line to the next guy. Sketchy. Don't tell me you're a Christian. Act like a Christian. Amen. Don't tell me, ah, you know, I'm going to do you right. No, just do me right. Don't tell me you love Jesus and you're not willing to feed the homeless. Don't tell me that I'm a Christian and I love this Jesus and he saved me and you're not willing to take the time for someone who's in hurting. You're not willing to take the time to pray for someone. Don't tell me that I love Jesus, yet I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, my boyfriend. Don't tell me. Here's what I love about the gospel. Therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. See, here's the beauty of this word. That when we receive communion, it's, it's like... Marilyn coming out of the water and this this freedom that that comes over you it's so overwhelming and we're crying in there and, and just you can just feel the presence of God that's not just for that's every single day that you go before your Lord and Savior and go oh God forgive me and I need to do it every day because I, I can be foolish every day you want to reset go before the cross See, James isn't trying to talk you out of Christianity. What he's trying to talk you into is Christianity. He's trying to tell you what it really is. He's trying to tell you what, what deliverance looks like. He's trying to tell you what, what when, when God has your life, when he's Lord of your life, how it manifests out there to others. That's what he's saying. And he's cheering on the church going, come on, here we go. Come on, church, come on. We can make a difference. We can do it. It's an encouragement. It's an encouragement to me. And it starts with James 1, and he says, just look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. And everything that I've talked about today, I, I've got another 40 slides, which obviously I'm not getting to. I, I'm going to stop right here. And he's saying, take a look in the mirror. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And if anything that, that we've touched on or talked about today or anything in this word just jumps out at you, the wise man is the one who doesn't forget what he looks like. In other words, doesn't go, oh, I don't like that one. I'm going to move on to the next one. The wise man or woman is the one who goes, okay, I'm going to stop right here. It's, it's principle, good to great. Good to great has one of the principles that says great, uh, 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 great managers or leaders when things are going bad, what they do is they look through the, the, the look at the mirror. There's two. There's a mirror and a window. Bad leaders, when things are going bad, they look at the window and they see all their workers and they say, everything's going bad because of them. Great leaders, when things are going bad, they look in the mirror and they go, everything's going bad because of me. Good leaders, good leaders, when everything's going well, 
they look in the window and they go, that's why it's all going well. Bad leaders, when they look in the, uh, in the or bad leaders, when they, everything's going well, they look in the mirror and they say, it's all going well because of me. As Christians, we're, we're, we can't sit here and, and, and not look in the mirror when things aren't what God calls them to be. We have to look in the mirror. We don't look out there in the world and say, the reason things are bad is because, well, I, you know, I just, because the world is, the devil made me do it. No, i got to look in the mirror. That's what James says. And when I look in the mirror, I look in the depths of who I am and who Christ is in my life. And, and those things that I think I can't overcome, those things that I think are too large, those things that I've been lied to, that the enemy's lied to me about that I'm doing, and, and I, I justify and I, I say it's all right. All those things that we do when we, we look in the mirror and, and, and the Bible shows us our reflection, says, no, 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 it's sin, it's wrong. But the beauty of it is this. I've given you my son who can overcome. I've given you a spirit, the Holy Spirit, who will overcome. You can be empowered by this Holy Spirit and you can change and you don't have to live in that lifestyle. Whatever it is. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why I do what I do. That's why I have hope. Because of what Jesus did some 2,000 years ago that I might have life in spite of myself. And James is saying, look in the mirror. Don't, don't look out the window at everything that's going on around you and blame all that. Look in the mirror and repent. Ask for forgiveness. And, 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 and then go, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do now? And build a plan. And surround yourself by godly men and women who can help you walk out what you need to walk out. Go to church and listen to God's word. Have a taco while talking to someone. That's what James is talking about. Very practical. Very practical. I love the way that he writes. Because he gives me hope. He gives me hope. Let's pray.